You're listening to a message from the Winsboro Church of Christ. This is the Winsboro.Church podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, you can get in touch with us at any time through our website at Winsboro.Church. I uh, wanted to start off this morning by saying that Friday was my 29th birthday. <laughs> Actually, my, the, the day I came into this world as an infant is October. It was Friday the 13th, so uh, I can, don't know if that's... Uh, in fact, that was a Friday the 13th baby. But October, Friday the 13th, 1978, so I'm 41 when I was born. But on July the 3rd, 1991, is the day I was baptized. So just if, on Friday was my 29th anniversary, or... Of my baptism. And I was baptized in a horse trough at Camp Lujo Kismith, uh, outside of Lawton, Oklahoma. It's a church camp, and it's named Lujo Kismith. It's got a strange name. Lujo is for Lucille Jones, the lady that donated the land on which the camp was built. And Kismith, keep it spiritual, make it fun. And uh, I grew up going to that camp every single year. We had actually moved away at that point and no longer went to the church that... Uh, uh, was, you know, largely of, and there were several churches in that area, Lawton, Chickasha, uh, that uh, we had used to be a part of, but we lived in Texas at that point. But I, I went to other camps, I went to camps in Texas too, but I always loved going to back to Camp Lujo. It was kind of my home away from home, so to speak, because we moved around a lot. But, uh, but that year, I got there and I bunked next to a boy named Chris. We were friends, we saw each other every Sunday. We didn't go to church together anymore because I didn't live in and go to church in Chickasha any longer, but uh, I was in the bunk next to him, and I think it was Monday night. We'd been there just today, because it started on, on Sunday, and we're getting ready for bed, and he looks at me and says, Colby, I'm thinking about getting baptized. And I don't know what I look like necessarily, but I think I maybe look, jumped out of my skin, because I said, me too. I had been. I'd been thinking about it for a while. I was 12 years old, and um, I thought even before camp, like maybe this year at camp will be, you know, and, or just so many Sundays, I'm like, ah, should it be today? And I've been wrestling with it for a long time. And so when Chris, my buddy, said, I'm thinking about it, that just gave me permission to go, oh, yeah, me too. And he said, I think I'm going to talk to Rod tomorrow. And talk, yeah, me too. I'll do it. Well, let's go together. And, and he said, I'm, let's, I'm thinking about doing it on Wednesday night. And I said, yeah, that sounds good too. I mean, I was. He, him opening up first kind of gave me the avenue to, you know, voice my thoughts that I've been having for a while. And, and looking back, I kind of maybe wish it hadn't have taken that. that may, maybe I wish I would have been bold enough to do it without having a friend. But at the same time, I'm grateful for Chris and, uh, you know, that he, um, you know, voiced that. And it's what I needed in that moment. I think God was working. The Spirit was working. It's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. But uh, we talked to Rod and uh, set it up for Wednesday. My mom was there with us. She was a counselor and a teacher for the girls, but uh, my dad was at home. And so I called him up on Tuesday. I'm going to get baptized tomorrow. I'm proud of you. Absolutely, Colby. You know, and, and they recorded it. There's a VHS tape of it somewhere. And if I could have found it and showed it to you, I would have maybe some other time. I'll show you my baptism. But, um, but Rod Carroll was the preacher's name, the old preacher from the church we used to attend who also directed the camp session. And 
Chris and I went down after the evening lesson in the outside amphitheater, and he asked us, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, like Tex said? And I said, yes, I do. And so did Chris. And then so they filled up the horse trough with the water hose. There was no swimming pool or anything there. And there was a creek, Pecan Creek, but it barely had enough water for the snakes. Not enough water to get baptized in, and nobody wanted in it anyway. So they used the metal horse trough, and Rod set me down and leaned me back and said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and set me back up again. And we hugged, and I have some vague memories, but one memory I have that is pretty strong is that night I slept like a baby. And, you know, camp was always hot and hard to sleep, but that night I had no trouble sleeping. I was content. And I remember that very fondly, of just that notion of, I'm clean. I am, uh, I am now a part of God's kingdom and his salvation and his blood and his work in, the, in my life. And, you know, there's a lot I didn't know. That's for sure. I was just a 12-year-old boy. I didn't know even beginning what life would throw at me. I still don't know, you know, a little bit more knowledgeable now, I guess, than I used to be. But I, maybe, hopefully, we'll see. I have quite a bit of life left, and life's going to continue to throw things at me. And I didn't understand as much about the role of Jesus as Lord and King as, you know, I later came to appreciate and and I sometimes thought, especially as I grew in my faith over the coming years, and the youth group especially, whenever, you know, in that age, light bulbs come on. Oh, I get it. Or I can see it. And the, the stuff that, those stories I was told as a child in VBS, now are, I see the meaning behind what, you know, the value of grace and faith and surrender and salvation that I just had some understanding before, but it grew. And I wondered, well, should I get rebaptized now that I understand more? And one of my youth ministers actually made the point of, have you grown since your baptism? Well, yes, that's the way it should be. You're supposed, if you were the same way you were when you got baptized, five years later, 10 years later, 29 years later, something's wrong. Because you're supposed to grow, you're supposed to discover, you're supposed to appreciate and come to a deeper and a richer knowledge. And, you know, and where my motivations wholly, 100%, absolutely spot on in that moment in 1991, I'd say maybe not. Um, two things, again, the fact that it took Chris, my buddy, to, you know, kind of give me the confidence to join him maybe shows that I was lacking in some maturity. And the fact that when he said, let's wait for Wednesday night because it's a church night. I said, yeah, that sounds... Wednesday night church night has nothing to do with it. And so, I mean, I was somewhat still immature in that moment. Guess what? I still am. (laughs) If I got baptized today, there would still be ways in which my immaturity and my lack of understanding would still prevail. But we don't have to have perfect understanding. We don't have to have perfect maturity. All we have to have is, like Tex said, I believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. I want to follow him. And I knew that in that moment. A lot of things I didn't know, but I knew that. So I'm grateful for it. And I like it. It's easy to remember July the 4th, July with my, you know, our country's Independence Day, but my personal Independence Day is July the 3rd. 
uh, the day before. It was a Wednesday night in 1991. And I say all that because, well, maybe no shocker, but we in Churches of Christ, we like to talk about baptism. And I think we should. I like talking about, I like talking about my baptism. Again, someday I'll show you the video of it. I like to share the story of my baptism. I like to hear the stories of other people's baptism. So please tell me sometime, you know, when it was, where it was, what was going on. Uh, how you responded or what the things that led up to it. And, you know, on that day that you might have some specific memories about. Like me, I remember sleeping like a baby. So I, I, would, I, I think we should talk about it and share it. Because it's an important moment. And I can say it's an important moment because I heard many a sermon and many a Bible class on Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Uh, what was read for us just now. In that section of scripture, I, that's a, if there is a go-to Church of Christ verse, that would be pretty close to the one that I, as far as the decades and the years that I spent going to church, if I maybe logged all the different sermons and Bible classes and things that I heard and how often verses came up, I could fairly confidently say more so than John 3.16, I heard Acts 2.38 referenced more. Um, and I'm grateful for that. And the fact that whenever Peter says in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, if you want to turn over there, that's where we're going to be. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter responds and says, Repent and be baptized. Uh, let me find the verse here so I'll make sure I say it exactly right. Peter said to them, Repent and each one of you be baptized, how this translation says it, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of of your sins. And I heard that so many times. And I have to admit, it that verse probably helped me to get baptized when I was 12 years old in a horse trough in southwestern Oklahoma. That it had something to do with coming to that decision. These words spoken by Peter recorded in the book of Acts for us that I think they're supposed to do that. They're supposed to. When I hear Peter tell the crowds on the day in Pentecost for people to be baptized, I need to hear, "Oh, I need to repent and I need to be baptized." That's how they're supposed to work. And we should use them for that purpose. But I have to say that when I was 12 years old, I don't know that there was a rest of the verse. I don't know that I ever heard it much. I don't know how much you've heard it. Because Did you even know I didn't finish the verse? If you're looking at your Bible, you, you maybe know, but I did not complete the verse just now. When I said... Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, sorry, for the forgiveness of your sins. It doesn't end there. The verse keeps going. And you will receive. Well, we're going to do that in a minute. I'll come back to that. There we go. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the verse ends there, but Peter's not done talking. He keeps going. Verse 39. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And so the crowd asked the question. They were cut to the heart or uh, greatly distressed is what my translation says. What shall we do, brothers? They heard that 
this guy that they shouted, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, 50 days before, they heard Peter say, he came back from the dead. And this Jesus is actually the king, the Messiah. And you rejected him. And they're convinced of that partially in the fact that the apostles are speaking in tongues, doing something miraculous. They see God at work. And so, I mean, what shall we do, brothers? I kind of hear of, oh no, (laughs) we're on the wrong side of this battle. We were on the wrong side of that moment. We were on the side saying, kill him, he's a false teacher, he's blasphemous. And we were stirred up by the, you know, maybe the religious leaders. But because God raised him from the dead, God proved, oh no, Jesus is on my side. And that's very much the same oh no moment that Paul had. Remember Paul, who was known as Saul? by his Jewish name first, and he uh, persecuted the Christians. He killed them, chased after them, put them in jail. And then he met the resurrected Jesus and thought, oh no, (laughs) I've been on the wrong side of this battle. That moment of, I'm on the losing side. Because any side that's not God's side is the losing side. That, that's, the reckon, that's the revelation, the understanding that they get. Oh no, I'm on the wrong side. What do we do? Help us, please. What do we do? Peter said, well, what you do is you repent and be baptized. Pretty simple. But then Peter gives him more answer. Because actually the more answer, what they didn't, he answers what they asked. Repent and be baptized. But like Jesus so many times, when Jesus was asking a question, Jesus gave a bonus answer. Kind of like, what's the most important command? Well, love the Lord your God, but seconds like it. Love each other. You didn't ask me for the second one, but I want to give you the second one because it's more important than you realize. Here Peter's doing, he's following Jesus' role, uh, you know, example here. They say, what do we do? Well, repent and be baptized, but understand something. The important thing going on is not what you're doing. It's what God's doing. And I don't think I understood that as well as maybe I should have when I got baptized. It's okay. I've come to understand it more and I want to continue to understand it more. And as a preacher, I guess, you know, as I talk to the church, I want to emphasize that now, baptism is important. It's essential. You know, and we rightly talk about it frequently, and we should, and, I'll, and I try to. But understand something. Baptism, the focus is not on what we are doing. focus is on what God is doing. Because God is in that moment. You will receive the gift. Um... The, the, the term gift implies we don't do anything for it. A gift is a gift that, in the, for the very reason is that I didn't earn it, I didn't pay for it, I didn't accomplish anything to receive it, somebody simply gave it to me. So baptism is not about what we accomplish. Baptism is about what God accomplishes, about the gift that he gives us. And that gift... The Holy Spirit. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, we could spend a long time on discussing you know, what that means, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I'll just say this. For all the mystery of the Holy Spirit, and there's a mystery to it. The Holy Spirit doesn't like to be put in a box. We try to put the Holy Spirit in a box, it's going to break out of that box. Because uh, we're talking about God here. And God is not confined to our limited understandings. But when you look at the Holy Spirit in Scripture, a pattern that you see is whenever God is working through his people, it's the Holy Spirit. And again, the emphasis is on God working. God working in his people. That's the essence of what it means to, for the Holy Spirit to be at work. For God to be using the Holy Spirit. Um, and this is New Testament and Old Testament. For instance, New Testament, the baptism of Jesus. Remember who shows up? Jesus goes in the water with John the Baptist. And he didn't need forgiveness. He didn't need repentance. He's perfect. And so John the Baptist rightly says, I don't need to baptize you. You need to baptize me. This, we've got, you know, something's wrong here because you're it and I'm just some lowly you know, guy. And Jesus says, no, we're going to do it to fulfill all righteousness. But Jesus goes down into the water, comes back up. Remember what happens next? The Holy Spirit. God is at work. And that's what the moment of Jesus' baptism emphasizes. We tend to emphasize the forgiveness part of it. And, and, and we should, because, I mean, that's what Peter said. Repent and be baptized so you can, you know, for the forgiveness of your sins. So, I mean, forgiveness is right. It should be right there. But don't forget... It's bigger than that. It's not about just me receiving forgiveness. It's about God at work. And whenever we're baptized, what we're saying is, God, just, just like Jesus, when he was baptized, that moment what Jesus says, God, I'm here. Send your spirit and use me. Be at work in me. And that should be how we view our baptism as well. And, and I think maybe... That has, and at least in the many sermons I heard and the, the classes I had, that wasn't the emphasis. And I kind of wish it had been a little bit more. And I want to, as a preacher, emphasize that. It's, it's not just about us jumping through the right hoop or going through the right red tape. Oh, no, well, now we're good. You know, we, we, we finally accomplished it. No, we accomplished nothing. God is at work. And he's at work in that moment of baptism and he takes us with the Holy Spirit. Because remember the story of Jesus, the Holy Spirit came and stayed, is what it says. The Holy Spirit descended and rested upon him. King James lighted upon him. But it didn't come and go. It came and it stayed. And that's what we have in our baptism. God's work in us coming and staying and taking us into our future. In Old Testament, too, there's a phrase. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him. It's used to people like Samson and Gideon. You know what God was doing in those moments? God was working, working through his people. When the Spirit shows up, that's what happens. And that's what happens in our baptism. That It's not about us being at work. It's about God being at work in us. And then, verse 39, again, we have our verse divisions here, but Peter hadn't stopped talking yet. 
He says another word. He said the word gift, and then I think we need to emphasize. We emphasize the word repent, baptize, forgiveness. I guess I would like to change our emphasis or emphasize something maybe that's often been missed, that was missed in my mind for many years. Emphasize gift, and now emphasize promise. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And so, it's a gift, and it's a, prom- it's a promised gift, and it's a guaranteed gift. And you know, the thing about the promises of God, they are more secure than the most secure thing you can think of. I mean, I'm standing on a little raised podium. Now I'm standing on concrete underneath the carpet, and the concrete, you know, on top of the ground, and on top of the layers of sediment and rock going all the way down to the very core of the earth. And so, I mean, we take for granted that the ground's pretty sturdy. We don't, you know, the, the gravity holds us down. We don't start flying off. Oh, no, somebody turned off the switch again. The gravity gave out. No, gravity's constant. And while there might be sinkholes or things like that, but for the most part, our ground is pretty secure. I don't walk around going, oh, no, I'm going to fall in any minute. It's going to give way. It's solid. But the most solid thing there is whether it's the ground in your mind or whatever you can think of, the most permanent thing you can think of, God's promises are more so. His promises are more permanent than the most permanent thing in existence. His promises are more secure than this world or life itself, for the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord, the promises of the Lord, stand forever. They don't give out. And so Peter's saying... This is a promise. A promise connected to the old promises. The promises to Abraham and to Moses and to David. The promises that Jesus fulfilled and now that promise is still carrying through. And now the promise is for you to come into that story. To come into what God is doing in Jesus. And to let God work in you. This promise to receive that in baptism. And that no one can take it away from you. It's a promise that is guaranteed by God himself. And it's for you and your children. And so it extends into the future generations. And for all those who are far off or far away, it has no time limit. And there's no expiration date on the promise of God. And there's no geographical restriction on the promise of God. We are literally on the other side of the world from where all this took place. The promise of God still applies. And we can access it. We can come into contact with it by just surrendering to that promise when we're immersed in the waters of baptism. Like I was 29 years ago. As a kid who didn't understand everything he was doing, not in the least, But I wanted to follow Jesus. And God's response, you want to follow Jesus? Well, I promise you, you can. And I'll give you the gift to help you do it. I'll work in you. Just stay with me. From now on, we're going to be together, Colby. 
And God's with us, moving into our new future. And it's his gift and his promise. Again, so much more about what God does and what we do. And actually, think about how we do baptism. The preacher, whoever it is that's baptizing, is the one that leans them back. And the one that lifts them up. When I got baptized, I didn't do much. If any work was done, it was the preacher doing it. I was just kind of passive in it. Now I said, I believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God, a very important statement. And I laid myself back down. You know, I, I surrendered. And so really the, the movement in action is significant. What it is is just letting go and letting somebody else be in control. That's what baptism's about. I'll, let, I'll die to myself. And then let you raise me, God. Because it's not what I'm doing, it's what God is doing. God raises us up to a new life. A new life based on his gift and his promise. So I want you to think back to your baptism. And think about, again, how you felt, what you were thinking. Kind of the circumstances, maybe who you were with or where it was and who was the person that baptized you and that moment and all the beautiful, amazing things, you know, that bring a smile to your face. I hope that it does. It should. That we remember, that we remember it fondly. But I'll say this. Also look back and ask the question, what was God doing? Because whatever you were doing pales in comparison to what God was doing in that moment. And look back and maybe try to see, have eyes to see. God was at work. Holy Spirit was at work. God was doing his work of salvation. I was just there. That's what baptism is. And if you haven't been baptized, got a small crowd here today, I would assume the vast majority of us are, and that's good. I mean, we should be. If you haven't been Think about it. I don't want to pressure you because it's not about what I'm doing, not what you're doing, but what's God doing right now for you? Where is he taking you? Be open to that. Listen to that. Listen to Jesus' voice. Listen to and be aware of. And even for 29 years past our baptism, still don't stop looking for what God is doing because we still got the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's still doing its job. God's doing his job. And this life we live is not about what I do, it's about what he does.